Exodus chapter 25. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 25. We've been talking about words, and last week uh, we made a few statements, and I said that words in the kingdom of God, those are the most powerful, that is the most powerful entity in a kingdom. And a kingdom uh, operates on words. A kingdom operates on words being spoken. And so we saw a little bit, uh, last week was just very foundational, very elementary, and I just showed you that God being a king, when he speaks something, he's creating and shaping something, putting something together. We went back to Genesis chapter 1, and we saw that God said, in the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and earth, and he said, let there be light. And what happened? The light came on. He said, let there be, or let the earth bring forth grass and, and, and crops, and the earth did it. He said, let the earth bring forth cattle, the earth did it. Let the ocean bring forth fish, and it did. Let the sky bring forth birds, and it did. So God spoke things, and his words were so powerful that it shaped worlds and universe, and, and everything that we see around us was spoken into existence. Bible says, over in Colossians, that uh, everything that you see was made by God, and, and, and nothing that was made uh, was put here any other way except for by God. And that's how he did it, by speaking things. But then in verse 26, he creates man, and he creates him in his image and in his likeness. And we said those are characteristics. That's, that's saying that the qualities and the abilities I have, you now have. Why? Because he wanted man to rule this area like he was ruling heaven. And so he's saying, the ability that I have to just speak things out and, and, and create things around me, you have that. You have that. Which means the power of my words is the power of your words when you're speaking the right words. And so we had to look at the power of words and how words create your world and, and you know, uh, this is, you know, even beyond just the spiritual side of it. If, if you're only speaking negativity and you're only speaking doubt and unbelief and, you know, everything's so horrible, you're not going to be walking around with a smile on your face. Your complexion and your life will reflect what you're saying. You know, and I said, if, if we could record ourselves for just one day, and then go back and listen to what we're saying, we'd realize that everything that happened in the course of that day followed what we said. I'm never going to get out of this traffic. I'm not going to make it home on time. I'm never going to get rid of this cough. My kids are never going to understand. They're never going to listen. I mean, when we start speaking these things, funny thing is, they happen. It, it's that simple. And so you're creating and shaping a world world. Just by what you say, Jesus said over in uh, Mark chapter 11, he said, you can have what you say. He said, you will have what you say. He said, if you would speak to this mountain, the mountain being your problem. And he said, if you speak to it, it will be moved and cast into the sea. So we saw that if your mouth isn't moving, your mountain's not moving. If, if you're not moving your mouth, your problems are staying right there. And when we're moving our mouth, it has to be in alignment with this, with this right here, with the word of God, speaking in faith, 
speaking in what the Bible says because the Bible is the only thing that matters. See, you have a fact, but then we have truth. You have a fact that, you know, your finances aren't doing so good and you're having a little trouble getting, uh, you know, month to month and getting, you know, the, the ends to meet. Or maybe a bill or a big thing just came in and, man, we don't have that. That's the fact. But then there's a truth. Are you going to speak the fact or are you going to speak the truth? And so our words shape those things. And so that's what we've been talking about. But today I want to go in a direction. I want to shift over to God's word. Because if you don't have any faith in God's word and you don't understand the power of this word, when you speak it, there's nothing going to be anything. Behind, there's not going to be anything behind it. So we need to understand the power of this word. So go over to uh, Exodus chapter 25. And this might, look, this might seem like it's a little off topic at first, but just stay with me. Uh, Exodus chapter 25, verse 10. Verse 10, and they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, the cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it and shall make it on a molding of gold all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side and two rings on the other side. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark, that the ark may be carried by them. That the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark, and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. God is speaking to Moses up on Mount Sinai. He's just been... This is where he receives the Ten Commandments, but he received a lot more than just the Ten Commandments. And he's telling them, I want you to build for me uh, what they call, what he called the Ark of the Covenant. He said, you're going to build this box, but it's going to be, it's going to, my glory and my presence is going to rest there. It's going to be a symbol of where I am. And that's why he had this cherubim, or, you know, he had this, this seat or this throne built on top of it and uh, these angels or cherubim surrounding it because whenever you went to this place in the Holy of Holies, this was God meeting with you and that was where he sat. His presence and his glory were symbolized by this ark. And so you see he gives very specific di directions here. God is very specific. God is not one that, uh, you know, he, he's... Uh, you know, beating around the bush and just saying, you know, make me a box and put some gold on it, and, you know, and just make it look good. I mean, he's got specific height, specific width. The, the dimensions are to a T. Exactly what type of wood. They, they couldn't just go out and pick whatever tree they wanted. and They had to build it out of acacia wood and overlay it with gold. And then we have these rings, and then we have these poles that go down the sides of it. So we needed four people to carry it. So he's telling them how to build it and how to handle it or transport it. God is very specific. Now let's go over to 2 Samuel. Go over to 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is many years later, but the words that God spoke to Moses on that mountain, he told the people. This wasn't a secret. This wasn't just between him and Moses, 
they knew the direction. They knew what was told. So look what takes place here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and verse 1. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God. This is the Ark of the Covenant. Whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. That's the cherubim that was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Again, this is symbolizing God's presence, God's glory. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, stringed instruments, tambourines, sistrums, cymbals. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, watch what happens. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. The ark of the covenant is falling off of the cart that they're transporting it with. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. That word error, back in verse 7, then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. That word error is actually the word irreverence. Irreverence. Now, when we talk about words, and, and we've seen this happen in just the last several months with campaigns and elections, and there's a lot of words being thrown, being thrown around. There's a lot of talking. And really, most of the debates was, let me just make the other person look worse than me. Because I, I don't really have a whole lot to offer, but if I can show all his shortfalls, then maybe they'll pick me. But in all that, there's a lot of words being said. But here's what we do, because we're in a democratic nation. And we have opinions, and we have choices. And we try to mold them into fit, you know, uh, you know rules and, and uh, you know, regulations we try to mold them and make them fit our lives. And we try to bend. And But God here wasn't bending because he already spoke a word. He said, when you're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant, you'll have four men on each corner grabbing a pole. You will never touch the Ark of the Covenant itself. It's holy. That's my presence. That's my glory. And so God has now spoke a word. I'm talking about the power of his word. And when God speaks a word, we can't put our democratic thinking to it. Because here, Uzzah was trying to do a good thing. He's trying to keep the ark from falling off the cart and being damaged. But the bottom line was, God already gave directions 
In fact, they were transporting it improperly. It never was supposed to be on the cart in the first place. It's supposed to be carried by four men with the poles and the rings. See, God gives us resource. God makes everything available to us to follow his word. And then when we don't, there's no excuse. Because he can go back and say, well, what were you doing putting it on the cart? What were you doing putting it on a cart and drawing it by horse? You'll find out they end up putting it in someone's house for three months, and that person's house and all his family was blessed because that thing was there. That's how awesome the Ark of the Covenant was. For three months, this guy had blessings in his crops, blessing in his house, blessing with his family. And then when David finally came back and got it, he figured out, we don't need to be putting this thing on no cart anymore. Let's find out what God told our father Moses, and let's obey what he said to do in the first place. And it cost the man his life. And when we think, when we see error, that's why I had to translate that for you. When we think error, we're thinking, oh, but I mean, we mess up all the time and God forgives us. But this was irreverence. This was a blatant dishonor of God's word. And here's what I want to say about God's word. God's word and God are one and the same. God's word and God are one and the same. When you speak his word, he shows up on the scene. And so God was letting them know, you have dishonored me because you dishonored my word. The first point I want to make is, you cannot honor God and dishonor his word. We cannot say we honor God. It, you know, it's kind of like those rappers and actors and, you know, uh, you know, music, you know, award winners. When they get up there and they're, you know, I just want to thank my family, thanking God. And they're thanking God when the, award, when the song that got them award is filled with garbage. And you want to tell me you're thanking, you're not honoring God. Let me ask you as parents. If you tell your child, don't take the cookie out of the cookie jar, and they go, and they take the cookie out of the cookie jar, and you ask them, what did I tell you to do? If they say back to you, don't take the cookie out of the cookie jar, if they say that, do you feel honored? No. You feel honored when they obey you. And they don't take the cookie out of the cookie jar. That's honor. And so we can't say we honor God and then turn around and dishonor his word. And I want to show you how powerful his word is because, again, when a king says something, he can't take it back. And so he's declared something about this specific item, the Ark of the Covenant. And it wasn't about just a box that had... Uh, a chair and some golden angels on it and it has the Ten Commandments and it has, uh, you know, uh, uh, Aaron's rod on there and, you know, there were some different things that he put in there for his testimony that he had put in there. It's not about that. And we can't have a, well, you know, because we want to do that. We want to justify 
why we didn't follow the, the directions to the T. We want to justify why we, we didn't obey exactly what he said to do. And God's saying, my word is my word. And if you want to honor me, then you honor my word and you obey and you value what I tell you. And then you follow it and you meditate on it and you study it. Apparently someone had a slip up when they were trying to figure out how to transport the ark. Because see, what happened was is uh, Israel had got taken over by their enemies, the Philistines. And the Philistines came in, they took the Ark of the Covenant. Well, they devalued it too. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they went and they put it in one of their temples. And the next morning they went in and their God had crumbled to the ground. A huge, massive idol that they had built just because this box was in the same room brought the idol to the ground. And the Philistines realized, man, we got to get rid of this thing. We don't want this thing anymore. And they tried to ship it off to some of their enemies, and their enemies were like, no, you ain't bringing that thing over here. And so they contacted David and said, come get this thing. Well, somewhere in there, somebody messed up. The king, David, messed up and didn't follow the directions on how to transport and handle this thing. And so God's word wasn't honored, wasn't valued, and so it showed irreverence to God. When we get God's word on something, or when we read God's word, see, that you know that's what we're talking about in this nation. There are agendas being pushed right now that are going completely contrary to what the Bible says. I mean, we're taking values here and we're twisting them and bending them and yeah, but. There's no yeah, but. It's black and white. God gives very specific directions. He's giving you the dimensions. He's giving you the width. He's giving you the length. He's giving you the height. He's telling you exactly what material to use. He's telling you uh, how to do it. He's telling you how to transport it. He's telling you how to carry it. He's giving very specific directions. He's not skipping a beat here. And we want to talk, well, let's talk. Let's talk about some of the things that our nation right now is trying to make natural. I mean, you cannot find a television show that comes on now that doesn't have at least one gay person or some kind of homosexual tendency in the show somewhere. Can't find it. Forget Leave it to Beaver, man. Happy days. That stuff was patty cake compared to what we're seeing today. You cannot find it. There is somebody hooking up with somebody that's just like them. It is the norm. In fact, there's a new show out called The New Norm. The New Normal or whatever. And it's about a gay family. The New Normal. Get used to it. No, I don't have to get used to it. I'm used to the word. I'm used to what the Bible says. I'm used to two cities that were playing around with this stuff that got totally wiped off of the face of the planet by brimstone and fire. That's not stuff you want to play around with. That's not stuff you want to be putting your eyes on. That's not stuff you want to be joking about. 
And the word gay doesn't even mean homosexual. It means happy. And we can't even say it without having that tendency or that thought or that illusion. It's twisted. It's sick. It's perverted. And that's what the devil does. And so we got to talk about the, we got to talk about God's word because there's no yeah but there's no well God loves them anyway sure but He sure doesn't love what they're doing and they are rejecting God by rejecting His word. You cannot honor God and dishonor His word. You cannot say I love God but you know I just I feel that I feel I'm attracted to this person. It's impossible. You can't go against his system and say, I still want to play God's way. God's way. You can't put him last and him put you first. And that's what we're trying to do. God's word has to come first. God's word has to be honored. God's word has to be. And I'll preach that. I don't care. They can come take me and go stick me down in the jail. And it's going to get harder for us as pastors to stand up here and do that. But we will do it. The, if they're a real pastor... If they're not, then they'll bend and they'll twist and they'll become what the world wants them to become. Say it my way. We want to talk about tolerance, but they're not tolerable when we try to make a pro-life speech. Chick-fil-A can't say nothing without them getting upset. But we can't say nothing. But if they, but if they say something, we just have to tolerate it and let it go. It's a two-way street. Now, I didn't mean to get all political on it, but the word is the word. The word is the word, and we have to follow the word. My priority is with the word. My responsibility is with the word. My obligation, and that's why we're talking about words, because you're hearing all kinds of words. They're out there. Your kids are hearing all kinds of words. There are agendas that are being pushed as far down as, as the enemy can get, and it's, denom it's demonic forces. Do not, do not get caught up in the man. Do not get caught up in the person because there is a spirit, there is a principality, there is a power that's behind that. It's not about the man. And so we got to start calling that stuff down. We got to start rebuking. We got to start rejecting it because the word is more important. Look at uh, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We can't have democratic thinking. This is kingdom. This is kingdom. This isn't democracy republics. This is kingdom. We, we can't bring our Americanized thinking into this and saying we agree to disagree. You can't tell God, well, I guess we agree to disagree. His word is forever settled in heaven. His word is the word, the final say. So it's not going to happen. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. He says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. People are, are looking for this stuff. People are, are spending so much money to go to leadership classes and to go to conferences to learn how to be prosperous to learn how to be successful. And he tells Joshua right here, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then 
you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. We're looking for the prosperous way. We're looking for the successful way. True success is in obedience to God's word. That's true success. You want to be successful? Obey what he says. And it may not measure up to what people think is successful. It may not always look like what the world has labeled successful. Because what is it if you've gained the whole world, but you lose your soul? What is it if you're successful according to the world's standards, but unsuccessful to his standards, to his word? True success is in obedience to God's word, so we have to place priority there. Look at the, look, let's look at these verses again. Only be strong, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do. He's saying, do the word. Observe, look at it, place your eyes upon it, see it, keep it in front of you, so that you will do the word, which my Moses, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. One of the biggest ways the enemy works in our lives is distraction. If he can get you distracted from this, he wins. We can't be distracted. We can't look to the right or to the left. We can't get too busy for this. That, this is so important. I mean, if you have to carve out, if you have to wake up 30 minutes earlier, if you need to go to bed 30 minutes later, if you need to take your lunch break and take this with you instead of People Magazine, we gotta, we got to alter some things because this is what's important. And we'll see more of that as we continue to go on. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Don't be distracted that you may prosper wherever you go. See, some of us, we've only got one place that we can prosper. And if I'm not doing that or if I'm not here or if I don't have this job, he's saying you'll prosper anywhere. Whether you lose your job, whether you have your job. Whether you got the money in the bank, whether you don't have the money in the bank. Whether you have those friends or whether you don't have those friends whether everybody's for you or whether everyone's against you, you will prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now he's saying, speak it. Now he's saying, get my word in your words. Now he's saying, say what I'm saying. And everything I've spoken to you, everything that I've said to you, you say it. You speak it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night. What's meditate? That means to chew on. That means to think on. That means you're going over it. See, this isn't a one-time read. I've read it once. And I've read it twice. I've read it three times. And I still get something different every time. And I have to think on it. I have to keep it in front of me. I have to meditate. It has the connotation of chewing. You chew on it. You got to chew on it. You got to stay in front of it. You got to keep it in you. And you got to get in it. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. Again, according to all that is written in it. 
For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Go to James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. James 1, 22 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is deception. This is deception defined. And this happens in churches all across America. We hear something and we think it automatically comes to pass. We hear the word. And we think that it's made powerful in our lives. But he says, if you only hear and you don't do it, you're deceived. And there are deceived people that walk out of church every week because they think, well, I went and I heard, so I've done my part. And the doing doesn't happen here. The doing happens out there. That's why... If you notice, I pray almost every time before I get up and preach, I say, let the word that's being planted within us, and yes, it's being planted because Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4 says that the sower sows the word. He's sowing. I'm planting the word in you right now. But ask any farmer, just because you put the the seed in the ground doesn't mean it comes up. There's more work to be done. And I'm sowing. But I always pray, let the word bear fruit because tomorrow you need to show what the word has done for you. Tuesday you need to show. Wednesday you need to show. You need to go to your work. You need to go to your family. You need to go to your relatives. You need to go to your kids. Go to your spouses and show them what I received, what was sown in my life is now bearing fruit. I'm walking in love when most people wouldn't expect me to walk in love. I'm watching what I say and I'm uh, I'm careful how I treat this person. And, and, and the word is bearing fruit in my life because it was sown. Then I meditated on it, and then I chewed on it, and then I spent time on it, and I stayed in it, and I thought on it, and now it's bearing fruit in my life. So we, we are responsible to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving Yourselves. The next verse. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets. We don't want to be forgetful. Immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and watch this, And continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. You want to be blessed in what you do. You want to be blessed in what you put your hand to. And notice it's general. It doesn't say you'll be blessed in just this or just that. Whatever you do, the blessing comes by hearing, seeing God's word, meditating meditating in it. And obeying it, applying it, doing it in your life. That's how powerful the word is. You don't want to be like Uzzah, who maybe at one point heard the word, and this is how we're supposed to take care of this thing, and then be a forgetful hearer. Irreverence shows up, 
and it was talking about irreverence for the Ark of the Covenant, but I can tell you it was also irreverence for the Word of God. It's disrespect when we don't obey and honor His Word. So the Word is ineffective in our lives unless it is obeyed. Bottom line is there are those that know, and then there are those that do. And we have to go beyond knowing. I know, I know some people, they know church. They know how to do church. They can tell you how to do church every Sunday. They can tell you what church is all about. You got to tithe. You got to give. You got to go support your church. You got to find a fit. You got to bring a supply. You know, use your gifts, come to church. But they don't, they don't do church. Knowing doesn't do anything for anybody if we're not doing. The knowing is to help us do. The knowing, the hearing, the seeing is to help us become. To cause us to be doers. You don't want to just be a knower. It's the one that does the word of God. It's the one that does the will of God for their lives. It's the one that is applying. It's the one that's observing to do all that you have heard, all that you have seen, all that you have meditated on. Basically, you can put it this way. The seeing, the hearing, and the meditating is all to help you do. It's all to funnel the doing. You will do better if you hear more. You will do it more if you see it more. You will apply it in your life better if you meditate on it day and night, if you're staying in it. All those are to help resource the doing. You want to be a doer of the word. I want to take you over. Well, let's go over to Proverbs chapter 4 real quick. Proverbs chapter 4, just some more verses on giving attention to God's word, keeping it in front of you. This is how important God's word is. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no other understanding. We talked about attention um, I think when we were closing out the honor series, we talked about the attention factor and what you put in is what you get out. What you put in, the amount of attention you put in, the amount of time and thought and study you put in is the amount of fruit you're going to bear. If you're giving full force to this thing and putting all your energy towards it, that's what you're going to get out. But if we're not putting hardly anything in, it's not just randomly going to show up. We've got to give time. Give attention and no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. That means, your heart, that, means uh, that the words can leave. If you have to work to retain the words, that means that they can go away. Let my heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. That's a pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, return. If you obey, then you'll live. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Skip on down to verse twenty. Skip on down to. Verse 20, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my 
words. Incline your ear to my sayings. 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. That means you, can, you have the tendency to put your eyes somewhere else. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. They're life and health. It keeps you alive. It keeps you healthy. It keeps you strong. Now, I told you last week that Psalms chapter 119, Psalms chapter 119, the, it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And the whole chapter is about the Word of God. And I'm not going to read all 176 verses. There's a lot there. I would say if I was going to give you a homework assignment, it wouldn't do you too bad to go and read it because it's phenomenal. The whole thing. Imagine the, the longest chapter in the Bible being about God's Word and the importance and the value of God's Word. But I picked out some verses that I just want to go through and read. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your way can be cleansed. Your, the way of life that you lead can be cleansed and can be pure because of being in his word. Verse 11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Remember over in Matthew chapter 13 uh, when Jesus told the parable of the sower and the first thing he said was the enemy comes to steal what was sown. The enemy comes to steal what was sown. Well, if you have it hidden... It makes it a little harder for him to come get it. Sometimes the enemy is stealing what's sown because it's right there on top for him to take. We need to work a little harder at getting the word deep down. How does that happen? Meditating on it. Meditating on it. Getting in front of it. Staying in front of it and allowing that word to get deep down in there where it can't be taken. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts, contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. We just saw that in James. You don't want to be a forgetful here. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart, not just half your heart, not just part of your heart, not just when it feels good, not just when you don't have anything else to do. You will observe it with your whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. His word will create a path for you. If you're wanting direction, get in his word. If you're feeling confused, get in the word. It'll bring all those things to alignment. Verse 37, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. One of my favorite ones. And revive me in your way. There are things that we spend our time on that's just worthless. Remember we talked about honor. And honor is value. And when you value God's word, that means you place a price on it. You place worth on it. And there are things that we're considering worthy of our time that really aren't. You know, I mean, I, I deal with this sometimes. I, I can read baseball articles or news articles, you know, 
hours on end, man. I could just get into it. And then I get at the end of the day, and I'm thinking, I didn't even read my Bible. I just put my eyes in front of something and, and placed a value on something that was really worthless, and now the most valuable thing in my life I'm having to cram in at the end of the day. I don't like that. I want to place value on God's word and not put it lesser value than the other things. He's worthy, and his word is honorable and worthy of all honor. So we need to place value. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Obeying God's law gives you life. Well, we know for Uzzah, not obeying God's law took his life. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Clarity, direction, purpose. Tell you, there are people out there that, that they're searching for purpose. They're searching for clarity. They're searching for direction. I'm so confused. I, 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 there's so many different ways to go. I tell you, if you shut it all down and get in the one way to go, you can't be confused. If there's only one road in front of you, where's the confusion? We're the ones putting the forks in the road. Do I go here or do I go there? But when you follow his path, it's just a straight, straight line. So it brings clarity. Verse 133, direct my steps by your word. Let no iniquity or sin or weakness have dominion over me. That's interesting. If we get in his word, sin won't have control. If you feel like there's something in your life that you can't seem to put down and you can't seem to get out of, get in the word and it'll help you overcome that. That's the quickest way to get out. I mean, we've been studying on Wednesdays about the believer's authority and found out in Romans chapter 5 that sin isn't supposed to dominate. See, we think that Jesus... When he went to the cross, he removed our sin. But he did more than just remove the sin. He removed the control of sin. The feeling like, I can't help but do this. I can't help but talk this way. I can't help but act this way. I can't help but watch that. I can't help but uh, treat people this way. You can. And you have dominion. And you have control over sin now. But you got to get in the word. Getting in his word gives us back that dominion, places us back in charge, saying, no, I don't have to do that. 134, redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds a great treasure. And we talked about that, that there's a treasure in a field when you find that treasure, you want to do everything you can to get the treasure. And God's word is a treasure. Every time you read this, it's like digging up a new treasure. Every time you get in here, it should be like, I just found something so valuable that I have to go tell everybody what I got. Well, I found something so uh, so worthy, I found something so honorable, something of such great value that I'm not going to do anything to let it go. You know, those things in your life that you consider valuable, 
You keep them close to you. You know exactly where they are. You take care of it. You're giving it attention. You're watching over it. Oh, I don't know where it is. Probably just back in some closet somewhere. No, it's not. Not if you honor it. And if it's back in some closet somewhere and you're just hoping, well, then you don't really value it. You don't really care for it. And so he's saying, if you honor my word, if it's valuable to you, then you'll place honor in that and, and it will be a treasure, a treasure to you. And you'll treasure the time spent in it. You know, when, when you honor something, it's not a waste of your time to spend time with it and to take care of it. You don't feel like you just wasted time. You know, I've told you before about my truck, and, and I could spend, you know, hour and a half, two hours washing that thing when, you know, when I first got it and how much I cared for it and how much, and I didn't feel like, man, I just wasted two hours of my life. No, because I, I valued it. You know, I love my wife, and I honor her, and I value her. So when I spend time with her, I don't feel like, man, we just wasted time. That would be horrible. <laughs> it's not a waste of time. You don't feel, if you feel like you're wasting time reading the word, or if you feel like you're wasting time in prayer, it's because we don't really honor it. But man, when you honor the word, and you get in it, and you spend 30 minutes, it can be 30 minutes, or it can be three hours in the word. It doesn't matter. You feel like you just did the most productive thing all day long. I mean, I've done things where I've been like, that was a waste of my time. I shouldn't have done that. Like waiting in line at, for Black Friday deals, and then you get in there, and you don't get the deal. Yeah, you just wasted five hours. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. You lost sleep, and you lost things that are other things that are. And then what do you do? You start thinking of things that were worth your time. Well, I could have been sleeping, or I could have been hanging out with this person. I could have gone to work, or could have done this, or I could have done that. You start thinking of other things that you'd rather have been doing. I'm at the point now where if I waste time doing something else, or, you know, if I spend time reading something, I'm thinking, man, I could have just spent time reading the Bible. I just wasted. Why? Because I honor it. I value it. It's got that appreciation in my life. In God's word, the only way I'm going to do it is if I'm seeing it. The only way I'm going to do it is if I'm hearing it. The only way I'm going to do it is if I'm thinking on it and meditating on it. And then when the time comes and a snap judgment decision, when the thing starts falling off the cart, I'll know God's word says don't do that. And I won't have to go back to God and say, but, because he's going to say, no, I gave my word. And you made a snap decision based upon your current situation because you weren't meditating on my word and thinking, this is really what you needed to be doing. You should have been carrying the thing on poles to begin with. We've got to understand the power of God's word, the importance. He values it. That's why he sticks to it. So you know when someone doesn't value their own word because they don't stick to it. When someone says they're going to do something for you and then they don't, well, they don't even honor their own word. You, you, you quickly find out where the value was 
of their own word. So we got to value God's word because he values it. He values it so much. He's saying, I'm not coming off my own word. I want you to live by it. And it's life to you. It's health to you. It'll bring wisdom. It'll bring understanding. It'll help you on a day-to-day basis. It will bring value to your life. It'll help you make the right decisions. It'll help you do the right thing at the right time. It'll give you clarity. It'll give you judgment. It'll give you discernment. It'll create a light for your path. You'll have uh, no confusion, but you'll know exactly what you need to do, when you need to do it, and how you need to do it. You won't have to go running around to 50 different people find out how to get this thing done because I've already given you my word. My word is priority. My word is obligation. My word is responsibility. My word comes first. That's what he wants us to live by. That's what he wants us to do. And then you'll see it create power. That power that creates, that power that shapes, that power that forms your world, you'll find it forming your world, speaking to problems and they're moving, cast into the sea. No more issues, no more anxiety, no more worry, no more how are we going to do this, how's this going to get done, what about tomorrow? You're going to rest in his word. It'll create peace. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word brings life and when we honor your word, we honor you. Father, we value who you are. We value who you are in our lives because we value your word. And your word is as powerful as you are. Father, the only way we're going to get your word to work in our lives is if we're keeping it in front of us, if we're honoring it, if we're valuing it, if we're meditating on it, if we're taking time to be in it. It doesn't work for us just because We read a scripture and then say it. It works for us because we believe it. We sow it into our hearts and it bears fruit. We stay in it. Father, we don't want to just be in your word on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. We want to be in your word daily because daily we need your word. Daily we need your word to create power in our lives. So help us, Father, create those habits, create those opportunities Make use of the time that we have to get in your word, to sow your word into our lives so it can bear fruit. We want to have a full field to pull on. We want to be able to develop others and to teach others and to be able to invest in others, but we can't do that if we don't have anything to give. So, Father, I thank you that we're changing our perception of your word. We don't have a democratic thinking, a democratic mindset about it, but we're not looking for the yeah, but we're just excited about your word. It brings life. And when we obey it, when we do everything you've asked us to do, it creates power in our lives. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.